Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Nothing upsets a sports fan when they see a blown call, right? This is the Rich Eisen Show. Bar is hit from behind. A flag comes out on the play. Roughing the passer. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. We've got to get it right if we can get it right. Today's guests, two-time Super Bowl champion Eli Manning, ESPN host Bomani Jones, Jets running back Brees Hall, actor David Boreanaz, plus Wrexham AFC striker Paul Mullen. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Yes, it is. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show, live on Channel 210, the Roku Channel, live on the Rich Eisen Show, terrestrial radio network, coast to coast. We're live on Sirius Channel 218 and XM Channel 202 and Channel 992 on the Sirius XM app. We're live on the Odyssey stream, coast to coast, for people who want to listen to us. And we are, whenever you want to listen to us, sounding as live as they say in the business on our podcast all three hours on the cumulus podcast network where all podcasts are acquired youtube.com slash rich eyes and show for anything that you may miss we always appreciate a follow there closing in on 472,000 subscribers on our youtube page we are pleased that you are here on this program we are five wide we've got five guests eli manning joining us in hour number one bomani jones in hour number two before Brees hall of the three and two New York Jets, fresh off 197 scrimmage yards and the win over the Dolphins, the uh, rookie running back will be joining us on this program in hour number two. Uh, David Boreanaz, the diehard Eagles fan of SEAL Team on CBS, back here on our program, and then Paul Mullen of uh, Wrexham AFC, Love it, uh, here to talk about the wrap up of the Welcome to Wrexham program that is on uh, on Hulu, um, where Rob McElhaney and and the brilliant Ryan Reynolds as well. Uh, they're 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 owning this team. It's like a real life uh, Ted Lasso situation if they were coaching. Anyway, they, he's on an hour number three to wrap up this program. Good to see you over there, Chris Brockman. How are you, hey, sir? Rich, what up, brother? DJ Mikey D. Good, Good to morning, see Rich. Mike Del Tufo. TJ Jefferson, light the candle so we can officially light this program, sir. How are you? I'm great. It's great. Really- Fantastic. Ready let's to go. Let's just jump right into it because yeah. we got a lot of guests, and I'm sure you want to chime in at eight four four two zero four. Rich number to Dom. What a classic. On uh, Monday Night Football, that's what we call a long-standing division rivalry game. Love it. Throw the records out, uh, which the Raiders would love to do right now. But uh, (laughs) going in, one and three was not uh, what anybody envisioned for the Raiders to start the season, especially me, having chosen the Raiders to win the AFC West with all of the changes that happened in March and throughout the offseason. The AFC West was supposed to be the toughest division in football, minus Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs were supposed to be vulnerable, and here we are waking up uh, after week five of the 2022 season, and the Chiefs are sitting on top at 4-1, and one, and the Raiders are at the bottom at 1-4. and four. four being the operative number for Travis Kelsey last night. Four touchdowns on just 25 yards receiving. That's it. Wow. He had seven catches, four of them in the end zone, 25 yards on the night, four touchdowns. That's it. That's how Mahomes also accounted for all of his four touchdowns 
throwing uh, yesterday, and the Raiders kind of bottled this team up to start. This is what I was talking about (sighs) all March and April and May and June and July and August and (laughs) up until games started being played in September. This is why I thought the Raiders were going to be really good and tough to beat this year. I thought Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the same defensive line would provide such immense pressure on the edges and also get to the quarterback. I thought that Devontae Adams back with Derek Carr would provide a vertical game that the Raiders love to do, throw deep, baby. That's been their uh, their mantra ever since the Al Davis days, you know? Throw deep, baby. Uh, Tom Hanks saying that a few years ago is one of our favorite drops. And on a fourth and one early in the game, they're going for it midway through the first quarter, running the risk of giving a half a field to Patrick Mahomes. Up top they go. Touchdown. Boom. Josh Jacobs starts running with abandon. He arrives with intention. He puts an exclamation point at the end of his runs. Josh Jacobs had a career best in rushing last night after setting his career best in rushing mark the previous week. It just lasted one week. He broke it. Last night, they didn't have Darren Waller, and they were being able to put points on the board and absorb the inevitable run from the Chiefs' offense that occurred in the third quarter, taking a 20-10 to deficit and making it a 24-20 to lead. The Raiders came back, eventually tied the game on another vertical pass, a gorgeous dime from Carr stepping up in the pocket to find Devontae Adams in the end zone with two Chiefs on him, dropped it right in the bucket. And the Raiders decided to go for two because they knew Mahomes, if he was going to get the ball back, all they needed one stop to win, not to just force potential overtime and play more football in Arrowhead. And, of course, that was the final blow right there in the game because the Raiders did not get the two-point conversion. They were one point shy and then did get the ball back and could not convert. So that's what I saw in the Raiders all those years, all those months leading up to this year. I saw the Raiders being an offensive team that can also defensively back the points that they put on the board. But the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, folks. They are still the Kansas City Chiefs. They still have Arrowhead Stadium in full throat. They still have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and they still have an offense that is coordinated by Eric Bieniemy and honchoed by Andy Reid coming up with all sorts of manners to get the football to all sorts of people. And they do have the ability to make defensive plays with one of the best in the business up front in Chris Jones. And that guy can end a game on his own. And the Raiders made too many damn mistakes last night. Too many mistakes on off, on the offensive line in the first half. Too many mistakes in the second half. One, def, one defensive hold on a missed field goal that would have given the ball back to the Raiders down just one instead gave new life to the Kansas City Chiefs. And what they did with that life was find Travis Kelsey in the end zone for a fourth time. And they went for two, which I kind of liked that call because it would have given them a two-possession lead. It would have given them a two-possession lead. And the Chiefs have a gajillion two-point plays that I'm sure they were very confident in making. And if they didn't make it, it was still a one-touchdown game. 
and it dared the Raiders to tie the game and go for two, or the Raiders tied the game or had an opportunity to tie the game and they went for two and they didn't tie the game, and that was all she wrote. We will get to the officiating in this hour. I guarantee you that. Eli Manning's going to be calling us in a second to talk about all of these subjects. But let's just put a bow on it, on a a highly entertaining game that was a big-time thrill to watch. It was infuriating some of the calls, the passing, roughing the passer call. Again, we'll get to that. As you know, I was pounding the table significantly yesterday just in the aftermath of the Tom Brady sack by Grady Jarrett that was ruled a roughing the passer call that upended the Falcons' opportunity to come back and win that. I told you this stuff should be reviewable, and we'll hit it again later on because some of the other things that happened in that game last night illustrate my point of how to fix this thing, and there is a fix to it. But I'm just hoping the fix for the Vegas Raiders as we take this one team at a time here. I hope the fix for the Vegas Raiders is just to get healthy in the bye week, come back, with a right mind and a right body and that there are still 12 more regular season games to be played. I don't know if my prophecy that they will win the division has been eliminated. It looks terrible. They're three and a half games behind the team in front of them who's only won six straight division titles and still looks terrific, has the bones of a championship team, to use the phrase, that Chris Long used yesterday when he said he didn't see that in the Rams. I'm genuinely concerned that the Raiders are not going to win this division. How about that? As the obvious being stated. I do believe, though, they still have a chance to make the playoffs. I'm not going to jump ship on that. They have too many good players, and they just have to eliminate the mistakes and get their minds right. I'm genuinely concerned their minds are still not right in a way. Devontae Adams shoving over a member of the media who's just trying to do his job is so out of character for him. They're frustrated. They're angry. They're one and four. Darren Waller couldn't even play more than six, seven snaps last night. You know? But you look at the Raiders' schedule here and moving forward, the Las Vegas Raiders coming off of their bye, their home for Houston at New Orleans, at Jacksonville, home for Indianapolis, at Denver, and then at Seattle. Let's put together a nice little win streak, Raiders. It's possible. It is entirely possible. Well, they could win the next six in a row after the bye week. Why not? <sighs> they make too many mistakes. I'm totally concerned about that then they have to win the game against the chargers at home because the chargers have already beaten them once and they got to beat a rams team that i'm imagining is going to be much better you know that's a thursday night game or a a quick turnaround for them after they play you know see after they play um the chargers at home i'm i i i i just you know like i said they're they make way too many mistakes on the offensive line and They need to play mistake-free football to beat a top-notch team. Now, as for the Chiefs, they've now, what, 
they've won every manner of football games. A blowout win on the road to start the season. A tight contest division at home twice now. Don't forget the Chargers, as we all remember, gave them quite the run in the first go-round of their home schedule against a division opponent. They beat back the Chargers. They beat up Justin Herbert. They beat back a Chargers team that had held them down on offense in the first half. They just beat back a Raiders team that went up 17-0 on them. And they beat back a Raiders team that had a shot to beat them last night. And they wound up making defensive stops. And the Raiders just made, like I said, too many mistakes, like a fourth down play where their two best receivers run into each other, knock each other out like bowling pins. The Chiefs have won a game in division where they had a pick six help them out. And they just won a division game at home where their tight end comes up with four touchdowns and the other all-world tight end in the game hardly answered the bell. They've won a football game uh, as well on the road at Tampa. Beat up the team that beat them in the Super Bowl two years ago. Completely reversed the fortune. Exercised a ghost. And they lost a game they shouldn't have. The proverbial losing a game you should not. They should be 5-0. They should have absolutely beaten the Colts. They made too many mistakes of their own. Take a clunker and throw it out. Now for them comes their toughest challenge. The Buffalo Bills are coming to town, and the Buffalo Bills are coming to town with the most inhospitable intentions. They want to win this football game in the worst way. I proffer to say if they could have circled any game on the calendar, you could win one. If you ask Sean McDermott, hey, Sean, welcome to uh, the football gods Zoom We, could, we will allow you to circle one, one game this year. One. The rest, you're on your own to try and win on your own. But this is the one where we'll put our thumb on the scale and we'll, 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 you, you, you will have your best chance to win and we'll help you out. Which one is it? He would circle this game at Kansas City. I really believe that. There's many division games. You want to beat New England. I totally get it. <laughs> but this is the one. And they're coming to town after a half day off against the Steelers. That thing was over. It was in the ice box right away. Done. Halftime over. They had half a game, half a day against Pittsburgh. And the Chiefs just were taken to the limit, to the max, pin the needle by a division opponent, and it's a short week for them. Look out. Look out. Week six is that big a game for the Chiefs, who have shown that they can do it all. They've got a game wrecker up front in Chris Jones. They've got some other young players. If Frank Clark can stay on the field healthy, they've got a big-time problem for the other team on their defensive line. This kid Sneed on the back end looks to be like a blooming playmaker. He's all over the place. And they got... Running backs for days. I mean, they haven't even used Ronald Jones. They they took they took they took a a running back from the championship team that beat them two years ago, along with you know playoff Lenny Lombardi Lenny is still there. But they took Ronald Jones and they stashed him. Yeah, 
Jerick McKinnon ran the ball really well. I understand well last it. Night. And Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards Alaire, they're not they're not even using him. I thought that was maybe the Chiefs most complete offensive game with the way everyone was involved. Best MVS uh, appearance, Marquez yeah. Valdez Scantling for him. Nice catch a couple times for Juju Smith Schuster. They're just beginning as well to gel. That's a Super Bowl caliber team with a Super Bowl caliber coach and 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 playmakers all over the lot. And uh, the Chiefs got it done last night. And man, did they overcome a whole heck of a lot last night, including yet another dreadful roughing the passer penalty. And that's why I want to, that's how I want to take a break here. Eli Manning's going to join us in about 20 some odd minutes time. And we'll also ask him about the quarterback scenario. Wait for it. Not just in New York with Daniel Jones performing well, but Washington DC where the head coach took a commander's bus and ran Carson Wentz right over with it (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) Bomani Jones is on this show. Brees Hall is on this show. David Boreanaz is on this show. And we have talk a little football is life with Paul Mullen of Wrexham AFC when we go out the door. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. But once again, roughing the passer takes center stage. I want to hit that before we bring in Eli Manning to wrap up our number one. And your phone calls at 844-204-RICH, number to dial today. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed hey folks it's time for the nfl draft which means for me I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back for our terrestrial radio audience. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about Devontae Adams shoved over a member of the media coming off the field last night. He tweeted out an apology, and I think the league is going to hit him hard for this. You can't, you cannot shove members of the media over. You just can't. And you, I mean, he's come off the field countless times. I mean, there's people running all over the place. 
But to anybody who's like, this guy should have seen Devontae Adams coming, I mean, again, he's running with a stand to try and relieve a, a, a colleague of some heavy equipment on, on their body. It's because it looked like to me he, he didn't see Devontae Adams coming. But Adams had to be really – Adams probably thought he caught that football last night that was ruled not a catch, and it was appropriate to rule it not a catch. I think so too, yeah. yeah. Like he got his feet down and then it collected the football yeah, and then went out of bounds. Yeah. Rich, I think it looked worse too because the last shot we saw of Devontae he was upset. He's banging his helmet. And then the next thing you see, he's pushing the guy. And it's well, just I like, mean, man, it's, he was upset banging his helmet yeah. because I don't know. I asked Mooch, you know, uh, on the text chain of game day morning last night, like what happened on that final play? That fourth and one, I thought they were going to run it to Josh Jacobs. Yeah, so to I thought he was killing them because the guy night. was just—he was just like I said. He was, man. When he, when he runs like this, he's one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, like top five running back in the league. But I asked, like, what happened? And Mooch texted the whole group running a scissors route. Adams on a post, Renfro on a corner route. Oops. Boom. They ran right into each other, and Derek Carr's looking for a flag. You can't call pass interference on your teammate. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you had a good point about why they even ran into each I, other. I right? actually thought the the corner that was playing press on Devontae Adams kind of altered his route a little more yeah. inside than he wanted to, and kind of that's why they yeah. collided. Too many mistakes. Too many mistakes. In the end. And I think that's why Adams is upset. Like, yeah. You know, he thought he had another wide-open post pattern, and here comes his teammate. Boom. And or he was rerouted, and he thought he had that catch, and obviously he's one and four. Have you guys seen something like that before? I can't really recall on a final play of a game. Final play, like two guys running into each other. No, for sure. No, but I was happy, Rich. You and I thought it was going to be a good game yesterday. Chris thought it was going to be a blowout. It it was a good game. It was a good game, and you know, it was. uh, It it it's just typical Raiders Chiefs. Well, uh, and maybe last year's blowout is the atypical game. Well, it was almost a blowout. It was. 17-0, 17-0, I know it's for the Raiders. The I, know. <laughs> I know. Is any lead safe with this team, though? Like, I don't think a lot of leads are safe this year. That was, what, the third game in just week five that was 14-0 that someone came back to win. I know, and this was 17-0 for the Raiders. 17-0. Let's get to it. You know, the whole national conversation yesterday, we had it on this program The whole Monday was just filled with reaction to week five, but none more so than the roughing the passer penalty called Grady on Brady in Tampa. Three minutes to go. Brady wrapped up by Grady Jarrett around his waist. Grady Jarrett, in taking him down to the ground, puts Brady from his right hip to Jarrett's left hip. And that motion of taking him to the ground like that was ruled by Jerome Boger roughing the passer. And anybody who saw it was absolutely infuriated. It cost the Falcons an opportunity to get the ball back on the spot. And I said here yesterday, let's make this reviewable. Not by the coaches, because that opens up that whole... Pandora's box of we saw what happened when you made judgment calls like pass interference reviewable. It was a total disaster. Total disaster. So let's not make a judgment call like roughing the passer challengeable by the coaches. And I'm like, cool. That's fine. Let's let New York City handle it. Let's let the Art McNally 
review center in New York City where all the officials who are monitoring games and doing replays and stuff like that are sitting every Sunday, Thursday, anytime there's a game, certainly on Monday night. Let them handle it. Let them get in the ear of their colleagues at the stadium and say, we just looked at it, pick the flag up. Let's do it. Come on. It's simple. Would have worked last night because just when we thought the Grady Jarrett roughing the passer call was the worst roughing the passer call we've seen this year, if not ever, Carl Sheffers last night's lead official said, hold my beer. (laughs) And of course... Of course, when there is an issue with anything in any sport, certainly in the NFL, the most scrutinized sport that we have in America, (laughs) there will always be a loophole found. And there's another loophole that we found, which is what happens if a 300-plus pound man, while taking the quarterback down, removes the ball from him in the process? (laughs) (laughs) What if in the middle of the sack, the sacker... Becomes the ball carrier. What happens then? Unprecedented. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And what happens when in the process of carrying the ball down to the ground, that takes one arm away from said 300-pounder from not placing his entire body pressure atop of the quarterback because he is in possession of the ball. One hand that he would normally use to maybe prop himself up to avoid putting his entire body pressure on the quarterback is occupied because he just made an incredible athletic play. And in his offhand, actually did brace himself himself and the impact. Mm -hmm. Carl Sheffers, the lead ref, says no, that's still a penalty. Let's hear from Chris Jones first. This was Chris Jones after the game last night. From the ref point of view, he probably looked like that initially. But, you know, and when you look at the replay, it's a whole different thing. So I think now the, to evolve roughing the passer and protecting the quarterback is essentially what we're doing in this league. we got to be able to look at roughing the passers in the booth. You, 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 you take a look at the Grady Jarrett situation. I was going to ask you about that. Did you see that one from yesterday? Of course. It's all over Twitter. And, 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 and what type of situation that was in the game. That was the third down stop also. And then when you take that in the initiative, if we're able to view it in the booth and the referees can get a second look because it's happening so fast, maybe we can change that because now it's getting absurd. You know what I'm saying? Now it's called in teams games. You know, that was a fourth down stop on Grady Jarrett. They, that team would have got the ball back and, and you know, who, who knows what would have happened. But for them not to be able to, to look at that, you know, when you sit on videos, you know, you can, you know, and faster, when it's faster than you on the field and happen that fast, you know, the ref, they might see something different. But when they're able to, like, look at the video and see that it's not roughing the passers, a lot of these roughing the passers would be called back. Huzzah! Hmm. Plus one. Bingo. Plus two. Plus two. Plus three. <laughs> I'm in. I didn't mean to say plus four. Okay. You know, though you might wear them playing golf. 
Chris Jones, way to go, sir. Indeed. He also said, I'm a 300-pound man. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> There's this thing called Actually, gravity. Actually, it's funny. <laughs> Look up that video. He, he said, I'm 340 and then corrected himself 320 pounds. He took like 15 pounds off. It's brilliant. <laughs> Check that fined? one out. Oh, it's great. <laughs> What's he supposed to do? All right, Carl Sheffers, um, like all uh, head and uh, referees, they are required to speak to a pool reporter after the game. Just one-on-one, not on camera. So here's part of the back and forth. The question was the fact the ball came out before the quarterback landed on the ground and the player landed on the quarterback, does that negate the penalty at all? No, because he still gets passing protection until he can defend himself. So with him being in a passing posture and actually attempting to make a pass, he's going to get full protection until the time when he actually can protect himself. The fact that the ball came out and was subsequently recovered by the defense is not relevant as far as the protection the quarterback gets. That makes absolutely no sense. So nothing changes as far as the rule when he loses the ball is the question. Answer, just as if he had thrown the ball, he still gets protection. It's the same here. It's just a loose ball of another sort. Okay, I guess it's a loose ball when you've thrown the pass. Now the loose ball's in the arms of the guy who's sacking you. But he would still get protection that is afforded to players in a passing posture that extends after he's no longer in control of the ball. That is absolutely, totally unintelligible. I've read it five, (laughs) ten times. I have two degrees. I've been covering the sport for two decades. (laughs) I don't. uh, And and so, and so, I, I, I. I, I I asked this question of my colleagues in ownership and uh, and and the competition committee. Would you rather all of us be talking today about Carl Sheffers' explanation of, well, having the ball ripped out from your arms by somebody who's sacking you in the process and thus can't really fully brace himself for the impact caused by said sacking and ripping the football out, we will not celebrate that play. No, no, no. We would rather Carl Sheffers give us the explanation today. We'd rather everyone talk about that rather than what an incredible athletic play by one of the best players in the NFL. Now, let's let's talk about this gobbledygook. (laughs) <laughs> which is what it is. A lot of words. And, and, and so Jeffers was asked, was New York involved in this? Meaning the people back in New York that I'm talking about that should review this. He said, no, New York was not involved in this. And that question didn't need to be asked because New York is not allowed to be let in on this decision-making process right now. I say change that. Change it right now because they are part of the process. They are part of the process when you're processing the game. If there was a fight, let's just say a fight broke out after the Chris Jones sack, New York could call in and say, hey, that person pushed that person, that person threw a punch, take him out of the game, even though you didn't see it. New York's allowed to do that. New York's allowed to do, hey, that is not a fumble because the ground caused it. You called it a fumble. Let's save the other coach a challenge. Let's do it. Or that's, uh, that is a fumble. Or, yeah, that one should be on this yard line. We saw that last night, actually. I forget who was involved. But you remember, I think it was at the top of the second half, the Chiefs got a first down on a play, but no, it was moved back prior to the line to gain because somebody touched the player's helmet while he was down on the ground. Yeah, it was a good call. Who do you think made that call? That wasn't the, the refs getting all together and saying, wait a minute, he did touch him by the helmet and the ball's right at that spot. Not the first down. 
It was New York. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I understand. It was the Hawkeye people saying, hey, wait a minute. We saw he got his helmet touched. Yeah. That's not a first down. Because it saved the Raiders a challenge. They could have challenged that. And they want to move the game along. So if you want to do this, and they're allowed to do it for certain things, let's fold roughing the passer into it. It's not going to happen now, though. And you could sit here and say, well, they, of course they won't do it because it makes it doesn't make enough sense. They don't do things that make sense. That's not true. It's just they, they, this, this is something that I, they, they won't do in the middle of a season. So, and I, you know, you were sitting here wondering, are they doing all this because of what happened to uh, Tua? Uh, you know, is this an overreaction? I don't yeah. believe so. Oh, I on. do really? not. I don't believe so. I don't. Why? I don't believe so. Because why is it all happening? Because they have called fewer penalties, such penalties this year. They've already called half as many penalties through the first five weeks this year than they did last year, by the way. They were, they were, they were more happy calling, past flag happy calling this last year than the first five weeks than the first five weeks I know, of this year. but it, it happens to two on back-to-back weeks, and now we've seen three in a row. Like, why, didn't, why wasn't there a flag when Patrick Mahomes got slung to the ground in the exact same way that Brady did? Good question. I don't know. I don't have any answer. It's just inconsistent, and it is maddening. And I just want to say, let it's refs helping refs. Let the refs help refs. Okay? They're there. They're sitting in New York City. They can see it, and they can save their colleagues from making a wrong call in the worst possible spot. We'll ask Eli Manning when he joins us next. And, of course, what's going on in Washington, D.C., folks? 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Eli, when we come back. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. We're having a lot of fun here. Hey, before Eli Manning gets to us, um, who'd have knew? Who'd have known? Who'd have known? Who'd have known going into the season in the AFC West? We saw last night, great battle. If you'd seen that game just in a box, right, just a few months ago, like that's exactly why the AFC West is the toughest division in football. (laughs) No, it's the NFC East. The only undefeated team that remains atop the <laughs> NFC East. I mean, two four and one teams: Cowboys and the Giants. <laughs> Put some respect on our name. Uh, and then you, got the com- then you got the Commanders at one and four. And this question was asked of Ron Rivera yesterday, saying, "Hey, uh, why why are you the only one lagging behind in the division?" <laughs> Following up on John's question about the, the Giants, you know, they're up to a faster start. The Eagles, the Cowboys. 
you know, they've kind of all been rebuilding too the last couple of years, and it seems like they're farther ahead. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at, at this point? Quarterback. Oh, oh my gosh. Is that... I mean, with quarterback, like the Cowboys, for instance, they're, they don't have Dak Prescott this season and still have been able to well, they started with well, they, they started, started with, with Dak, them, and they built around Dak, and the offense is built around Dak. Um, their backup's a, a guy that is very solid inside of it, inside of what they do. Um, and the truth is that, that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback. Man, chose the quarterback here, though. So, do you have any regrets about that, or how do you? No, I got no regrets about their quarterback. I think our quarterback has done some good things. There's been a couple of games that he struggled, um, but you look at his numbers from yesterday, and you would say, okay, you look at his numbers he's had throughout the year. There was a time he was, you know, uh, very solid, and then um, un- you know we had the unfortunate Philadelphia game, and he struggled wow. with it in the Dallas game. But the way he performed yesterday, it just shows you, you know, what he's capable of. And, you know, we chose him because we believe him. We chose him because we looked at what we felt were, were, were things that pointed towards him. How about that? Wow. Carson Wentz after Philly and then after Indianapolis finding a new home, and it took five weeks to get that soundbite, huh? Sounds like Moscone from uh, Midnight Run. Everybody's <laughs> telling me to go F myself. You're telling me to do that? Well, Ron Rivera heard the reaction to it. And had this to say on uh, local radio. I didn't have to. I, 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 I was fortunate enough that um, our uh, our media relations director contacted him, let him know. And I actually talked to Carson this morning. I, in fact, I talked to the whole team just so everybody understood that you know, I had a mea culpa moment and that uh, I should know better. And I created a little bit of a distraction. And that's the one thing we try not to do. And it's one thing that I'm very aware of. I, I, I mean, again, let's you know, be honest. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, when you misstep, some people just can't wait to, 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 to dive onto it and jump onto it and hold onto it and, you know, without an opportunity to explain yourself. So that's, hey, that's on me. I should know better. Yeah, that's true. Mea culpa moment, that's for sure. And just when you thought Ron Rivera going back to Chicago would be the main story of uh, Thursday Night yeah. Football this week, right. that's how we welcome in our friend on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line, courtesy of Quaker, the two-time Super Bowl champ, Eli Manning. How you doing, Eli? I'm doing great, Rich. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, when somebody asks me later on, uh, what's the difference between this segment being terrific and not, I'll just say the quarterback. Uh, I'm going to go in the other direction. I'm just going to say that, if that's okay, Eli. Okay? I'll just say that's the quarterback. Perfect. You know? Um, what do you I think's... I where you're going with this. <laughs> you're smart enough to see where I'm going with this. Uh, what, do you, what did you think of Ron Rivera's comments that he did say he had a mea culpa and has spoken to Carson Wentz since... What do you, what did you make of what he said? I, I, I saw the comments, and, and I knew where Coach was, was trying to go and what he was saying in, in the sense that Hey, these these other teams are having success, and in the in the NFC East, even that they have a quarterback that's been there for a number of years, and they've been able to build a team around the quarterback. And he he hasn't had that in Washington, and, and nothing against Carson Wentz, but he's just he's been there for five games, and you know, years before they had different quarterbacks that just you know wasn't a a guy they they you know were able to draft and get him in and let him kind of learn the system and then start building, putting pieces around him for him to be successful. So I think that's what he was trying to say. It just didn't come out 
perfectly and i could see you know why there was a a little frenzy around it well i mean especially since again there's been uh you know carson wentz being shown the door in two other spots including philadelphia there's definitely some sensitivities around it and that's kind of what made me wince along with the lines of it doesn't make sense that you point to the giants and say well they've built around this quarterback for a long time and it's a new coach and a new system and daniel jones looks terrific in it so that doesn't make sense either you know well i think this in sense that you know you have have daniel they've drafted offensive linemen um you know you have saquon around them you have you have some players uh you know done some stuff on the defense and and to to help and, and you know protect the offense in that sense so um you know, I think you know. Obviously, Daniel Daniel's playing great football right now, and so you know, when when you're four and one, everything's going right. When you're one and four, anything you say is is that's um, uh, it, it's never an easy easy situation to talk, and everything you say is going to get blown up and, and made a big deal. But uh, hey, I'm not complaining. Giants are four and one. Yeah. Just saw them have a big win in Green Bay. Daniel's playing great. Saquon's healthy, playing great. Defense is making plays. So. Uh, it, it's it's making you know Sundays a little bit easier and more fun for me to watch. So what what are you seeing out of Daniel Jones that maybe Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka and the new offensive way of doing things, new coaching staff of doing things, has unlocked Jones in a way that we've really not seen? What are you seeing, Eli? Well, I think I think they're being very creative with the offense and finding different ways, obviously, to get Saquon the ball, but also. To get Daniel uh, outside the pocket, you, you know, on on bootlegs, on nakeds, where he can run, uh, make plays, and be safe. They're they're doing some quarterback draws with going empty in different ways to get him where he can run for first downs and um, you know a lot of play action under center. Um, and so it's something he hadn't done a whole lot of probably. So I think he's getting more comfortable with that. Turn your back to the defense and then seeing you know seeing what's going on down the field. Um, but I, I you know I think it's just uh, Daniel has made a lot of a lot of really good decisions, and you know something that maybe it doesn't always get seen as a quarterback. You look at even in the Dallas game, I probably you know that was the first thing I actually reached out to him. I said, "You were being tested all game on you know being tempted to make a bad decision and to force a ball in when no one's there and with pressure coming in the face at times and you know guys that aren't you know always winning and getting open at times." And I'm like, just keep doing what you're doing do not force it do not you know you know think that you have to start making a play and 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 making bad decisions because what you know the style of 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 play you're you're doing right now is keeping you in the games and y'all are getting games to the fourth quarter and you're having opportunities to win you know the dallas game didn't work out for you but the other ones have so like just keep uh, playing smart football uh don't get tempted um, and, and just uh, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing. Eli Manning here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show, courtesy of the Quaker Hunger Clock, and we'll talk about that in a minute before I, I let you go in the few minutes I have left, Eli. I, I do want to hit the, the Monday night game. Uh, if you and your bro were on the Manning cast last night watching Chris Jones get called for roughing the passer despite a remarkable athletic play of him sacking Derek Carr and taking the ball away from him at the same time. What would you guys have said, do you think, last night? You know, I think as quarterbacks, you know, Peyton and I always uh, always kind of root for quarterbacks, always protect the quarterbacks. We're always about uh, quarterbacks being protected, including ourselves. But, 
you know, even as us, I don't think we would agreed with that call. Um, and, and so, I mean, yeah, you've seen a couple of these um, personal fouls on the quarterback. Um, and I know, I, I know the NFL is doing a great job and it's about protecting these guys. I know all quarterbacks want quarterbacks to be protected. I know head coaches want their quarterback to be protected. Um, and, you know, they're doing a good job. The late hits and the hits to the helmet are being washed away. And those, you know, when anyone, uh, those calls that are made are, are deserved and you kind of agree with it. It's just, it's like kind of that driving into or that excessive hit of the quarterback or the throwing uh, is, that's getting called that is, you know, it's, it's, it's subject and it's judgmental of, of the ref. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a little harder. It's harder to, to get it exactly right. And so whether they need to bring a replay to that or just get a little bit more uh, fine tuning on the exact rules of it, because it becomes such a, a huge play. I mean, that's a, a strip sack fumble, but anytime there's a sack, you know, for the most part, you know, it's, it, you know, most of the time it's going to lead to a punt. Whether it's third down, it's definitely leading to a punt. But if it's second down and you get it, you lose eight yards, you know, it's probably going to lead to a punt. Now it's instead it's 15 yards. Mm. It's a new set of downs. I mean, it's almost becomes like a turnover if you call, uh, a, a, you know, a roughing the passer on it. All right, brother, what is uh, the Quaker hunger clock? And um, and how can people get involved in what you, you're, yeah. you're talking about, sir? Yeah, I'm excited to, to partner with Quaker. One, one because I'm, I'm a huge oatmeal fan. I've been eating it almost every day for the last 15 years, oh, including okay. this morning. But also, mm-hmm. uh, like Quaker, believe that the you know the circumstances of life should never be a barrier to good nutrition. And you know, part of their commitment is to help advance the food security in the U.S. Quaker is introducing this Quaker Hunger Clock in partnership with Feed America, and they're helping the you know, raise uh, $500,000, which is equivalent to funding 5 million meals for Feeding America. And they're hoping to do this by Super Bowl uh, 57. So there is a you know big Quaker hunger clock. It's in Arizona across from where the Super Bowl is going to be played. And it'll be counting down the time to the Super Bowl and counting up the number of meals uh, that have been uh, raised through, through donations. And so, um, you know, fans can also go to QuakerHungerClock.com to find out more information and how to donate. Okay. Uh, so you're saying you're two super Sundays that do you wound up uh, finishing up as the MVP? You started with a, a bowl of oatmeal, Eli, is that what you're saying? You know it. You gotta, you gotta start the day, oh, right? I did so not know it. I actually did not. I actually did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. You know, All not right. everybody did. All right. Uh, everybody asked me what I ate for breakfast on the Super Bowl. I <laughs> Is this the you first did. Time? <laughs> I mean, you're the first. Well, I only ask the pertinent questions, Eli. What do we have in there? Are you a blueberry guy in there? Like, what what goes in the oatmeal? Yep. What goes in the Manning oatmeal? Uh, yeah, go. blueberry. Uh, today was blueberry and strawberries. Oh. I'm also a blackberry. I like some raspberries. Uh-huh. I'm a big. I'm a berry guy. Okay, you're a berry guy. Very good. Did not know that. Uh, I'm honored to be the first to have asked you the question: What you had for breakfast on your Super Sunday victories? Very good. Best to your brothers. Best to your family. Your mom and dad. Best to all the Mannings, because you know I am a fifth uh, honorary member, uh, or the I guess the fourth brother, uh, honorary my brother. Dad, so my dad know. made that decision. He did not. He did not really talk to the rest of the family. Are about you serious? 
made the decision. Eli, we have to live with it now. Eli, not everything's a check with me, okay? You know what I'm saying? Not everything's a check with me. Your dad can make these decisions. He made it on the spot. You were there. You were there. You saw it. Okay. So I'm going to hold him to it. So thanks for the time, Eli. Really appreciate it. Let's do this again whenever you're free. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rich. You got it. At Eli Manning on Twitter. I follow him as well. Chad Powers here on The Rich Eisen Show. Yeah, if we had more time, I'd ask him about uh, Chad's uh, rooting interest for Saturday's game, Michigan versus uh, Penn State. I wish you could ask him about my Arch cards over here and how Um, they might go up in value. Yeah, but Arch is not – I don't believe Arch is officially committed, right? Like he, he's verbally committed. He's verbally, but verbal. right? Verbal it's not like, I mean, he's going. I think we should try to start something where we get Arch right to the NFL. Just skip college. Just Oh, by the way, I already saw Breer angling in about how good Quinn Ewers looks. Like he's that, that's another guy that he's just going to say was an Ohio State guy. <laughs> just another guy. You could, I, could already see, I could already see the muscling in on. Yeah, he was in our quarterback room for one year before we let him go. <laughs> before we went. <laughs> like you did him a favor. Send him out into the world because C.J. Stroud is uh, is too good. He's, Are you worried about him? He's too good. Of course I am. <laughs> of course I am. Unless it's cold, because then he looked he looked really cold in Ann Arbor last year. What date is that game, by the way? Not soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> Saying it, saying it with your chest right here. Bamani <laughs> wow, Jones go. coming up with Brees Hall. Wow, my favorite rich eyes right here with the chest. <laughs> say hey, it. just uh, circling back. Just one, one more thing here with. Um, uh, Ron Rivera, uh, clearly he meant that Carson <laughs> Wentz is not performing to his desires. And yes, it is a team game. And yeah, you know, Coach Dustup doesn't have uh, Chase Young, <laughs> Coach you know, and and, you know, but the defense has been playing well and they're 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 a little bit inconsistent. Best player on D is out. And, and their best player on D is out. And they're, they're, you know, Carson Wentz had a nice game against Tennessee. He did. There are other games where he, he, he just held on the ball way too long. And that's what drives some of these coaches nuts. Certainly after, you, hey, man, you've been around long enough. Yeah. But that's one of the things that the mystery is, uh, like top NFL mysteries. Why didn't Marshawn get the ball? <laughs> Why didn't Malcolm Butler play even though he was still active in that Super Bowl? And another one is a, sort of a Bermuda Triangle. Is what 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 is with Carson Wentz? And does he rub people the wrong way, or yeah. what's going on? Because yeah. the Colts couldn't get rid of him fast enough yeah. and blame everything on him more, and the Eagles couldn't get rid of him fast enough at one point. And now here's a coach who knows better. He even says, "I know better." Mea culpa, coming out and saying quarterback is the reason why the team's one and four. Yikes. 